In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's providential that on Harvest Home Sunday that our gospel reading is a parable about a feast. Right? And we're reminded first that the image of feasting is central as an image throughout the Bible, teaching us what it is that the gospel is. And it's there in all of our readings. In our first reading, Isaiah writes that salvation from the Lord will be a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. This is the feast of the Lord freely given to his people. In other words, God's salvation, this feast, is only of the best quality, the best-tasting wines, the fattiest, richest meats. It's all luxury. And then in Psalm 23, it tells us that the salvation of the Lord is the Lord preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Salvation is an overflowing cup, a moment of pure joy when all that causes us pain in this world will no longer be a threat to us. And likewise, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet to his son. In the first place, Jesus wants us to see how the gospel is like a wedding feast. Because it's a celebration. The gospel is a thing of joy. And in this parable, we see that it's a thing given freely. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. You're not back in the kitchen working away, trying to get the meal together. You don't have to set the tables. You don't have to do the dishes. Often, as you know, in this world, feasts are exhausting, especially if you're the one responsible for planning it and cleaning it up. But this feast is different because in this feast, you show up, you eat the best possible foods, you drink the best possible wines, and you celebrate with the king who is hosting the party. It's all paid for, it's all ready for you, it's all set out, and it's here for you to receive and enjoy. And that is the perfect image of the gospel, isn't it? The gospel, the message that because of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, is like the king's feast. You didn't work for it. You're not responsible for preparing for it in some way. It's simply set out before you as a gift to enjoy. It's free. And of course, that's the cause of true joy in the life of the Christian, the free gift of the gospel. But yet the parable takes a turn, as the parables often do. And this parable deals with those who have no interest in the gospel, even those who hate the gospel. In this parable, there are those who reject the king's invitation. They treat it as a light thing. They go on working on their farms or on their businesses. And some of those who are invited are even violent. They kill the messengers who are sent with the invitation. And there are those people in the same way in this world who want absolutely nothing to do with the gospel. But that's not the case for those of you who are here this morning. Most of you, if not all of you, are here this morning voluntarily. You were interested in the invitation. You have come here this morning by the Holy Spirit's leading. You have come by the Holy Spirit's leading to sit and hear the word of God read and proclaimed. You have come to receive his gifts in the sacrament. Indeed, you do want the good gifts of the gospel because of the Spirit. But this is where the parable gets difficult for some. Because what about the guy who gets thrown out of the feast for not wearing the proper clothes? 
In the ancient Jewish world, people invited to a wedding feast were expected to show up in appropriate clothing. In our culture, of course, we lost a lot of that expectation. I mean, you can see a senator of the United States show up to work in a hoodie and gym shorts. Right? Contemporary society is much less formal about these things, about dress codes, than even they were in the ancient world. For a Jewish wedding feast, it was expected that you would show up in a clean, white robe. You didn't wear your work clothes to this feast. You didn't wear your loungewear or whatever. It would have been disrespectful to the one hosting a feast to show up wearing dirty, everyday clothes. In the parable, the king notices a man sitting at the feast who was not wearing the right clothes, and he gets thrown out. Not only does he get tossed out of the back door by the attendants, but he gets thrown into the outer darkness, bound hand and foot. And so the king in no way messes with those who disrespect the wedding feast of his son. Instead, we see that the king destroys the ones who mock the invitation, and he destroys the one who shows up disrespectfully. And so normally, the question for those who hear this parable, especially the question among those of you who are faithful, will naturally be, am I going to be the one who gets thrown out? Will I be the one not dressed appropriately? Will I get thrown out of the feast? Am I the imposter? Am I the one in dirty clothes who doesn't deserve to be here? And the question really is, am I a false believer when it comes to the gospel? Will the king throw me out of the feast of the kingdom of heaven? In the parable, the king says to the man in the dirty clothes and the everyday clothes, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And the man sits silently. He has no words. He's silent. And here's the question that the parable really poses to all of us. When the king says to you, a sinner, how did you get in here? What are you going to say? Will you sit silently? Right, that's the smart legal advice, isn't it? Right, plead the fifth, ask for an attorney, keep your mouth shut, right? In legal situations, say nothing. Because we all know, in this context, we don't deserve an invitation to the feast that God is preparing for us. We all know that we are spiritually deficient. We all know that we're sinners. We're not the mighty saints who have it all together, who deserve to be rewarded with an invitation to God's great feast. And when we show up, we'll show up knowing that it's not because we deserve it. So what do you say when the king is going to ask you how you got to the feast? Will you plead the fifth? Will you stay silent? Will you point to all of your good works? Will you tell God all of the nice things you have done in this world that have made you worthy of an invitation to the king's feast? Will God be impressed with your charitable giving? Will God be impressed with your hours of volunteer service, your time in prayer, your time sitting in pews on Sunday mornings? Will you say to God, I deserve to be at this feast? Look how much I sacrificed. Well, my professional advice is not to say this to God. Because in reality, we can never do enough to earn a seat at the table. Likewise, my advice is not to stay silent when God asks you this question. And so I'll teach you here what to say. Here is what you say when God asks, how did you get in here? 
you say, by Christ alone. Christ is the garment that you will wear to the wedding feast. His righteousness, which was given to you by the promise of God's word at your baptism, is what allows you to feast at the table of the Lord. At our baptisms, we're freely given the wedding garment. We're given new white robes of forgiveness. Our sin-stained clothes are destroyed. And it's only by this gift that we're invited to the feast. It's only by that gift we can sit at the Lord's table. And so always, always make your appeal not based on what you have done, but based on what Christ has done for you. That's where your hope lies. That's what your faith holds on to. Don't put your faith in yourself, in your abilities, in your successes in this world. Don't plead for yourself, but plead by Christ alone. Christ alone is your hope. Put your trust in him alone, and you will not be put to shame. God promises that when you plead Christ, when you put your trust in him, you will not be thrown into the outer darkness. Instead, by Jesus' righteousness, by his death and resurrection, by what he has promised to you, you have a share in the feast. And so this morning, let us be glad and rejoice in that salvation given to us in Christ alone. Amen.